Greetings and welcome. Thank you to each and every listener for joining me today for my podcast on What Brings You In. My name is Bradley Wank, and I am an aspiring mental health counselor here to promote mental health awareness, discuss mental health topics, and spread some positive energy. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here today. I hope there is something in this podcast for you to take away and graciously impact your day-to-day. If you are a returning listener, thank you for tuning in to this brand new episode titled Beyond the Rainbow, What It Means to Be Out and Proud. Today, we are going to be talking about mental health topics, issues, and discussions among the LGBTQ communities. There are so many conversations to be had on this subject, and I am joined today by two allies. The first is Ladarius Belcher, who works as a data systems manager for a healthcare company where he assesses and analyzes the data of patients suffering from post-traumatic brain injuries. Within our local queer community, LD is also a semi-retired drag queen who has boasted his talents and taken the stage by storm as the fabulous Jaden LeRae. Both LD and Jaden LeRae are celebrated and respected staples within our community, and I am so happy to have you here. Thank if you, you have, thank you. If you have listened to this podcast before, you may recognize Christina Baker, who joined me for a past episode. Christina gave such a raw and beautiful interview, and while we were talking. I noticed there were some connections between her journey and some of the factors we tend to find among members of the LGBTQ plus communities. We have all gathered here today at the CoLab Studios here in Clearwater, Florida, where Christina works as the owner and operator. Welcome, you two. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's an honor, and I'm grateful to be on show number two. Here we go. (laughs) As always, before we get started, the views, information, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests can change at any time. At times, this podcast may cover sensitive topics, and we ask you refrain from listening if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, the producer, the host, nor the guest shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or any other reaction. I am not a licensed mental counselor, and this podcast should not be used to substitute for actual mental health support. All right. So... There's a couple different ways I wanted to approach this episode, having the two of you here today. And I think one of the first things we can dive into is that we know the statistics are there among the members of our communities being gay, queer, lesbian, bisexual, however you do fall into the category, and mental health. And I think one of the first things we do consider is there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt that is associated with it. And throughout this episode, I think we're really going to dive into our own individual experiences with how we've transitioned into who we are as people, as strong, beautiful people, I should say, but also some of our struggles and just talking about it. And this podcast is, it's funny, I'm being very transparent with this podcast. It did not start out exactly the way I thought it was going to. It kind of all comes into its own entity, if you will. And all of a sudden, what I thought I was going to be focusing on, it turns out I'm really focusing on the stigma. And instead of bringing professionals on here who I could just talk to or turning this into a podcast where we might say it was like an actual uh, therapy session, this is actually just really talking about real people in the community who may or may not fall into these categories who have a lot of perspective to give. So that's why I wanted to have both of you here today. I love it. It's yeah. a great concept. And certainly um, doing my own podcasts, I have noticed that same element of you You start out one way and it goes in a total different direction. It's, mm-hmm. it's really magical yeah. how it works. And if you let it flow and just roll with it, some excellent you know, information and very helpful information can come from that. Right. And it's kind of the universe's way of saying, hey, this is maybe the way you should have taken this mm-hmm. to begin with. But it is. It, and that's why I'm really happy to have you guys here. And I'm glad to. It's kind of fun. I was kind of, again, in, in transparency, you know, when you do these podcasts, we've been kind of um, we've been recording them out of order, if you will, like a movie. Sometimes you'd record one of the, la- the later scenes before you do the opening scene. Mm. And I've learned so much just from that. So having you guys here today is definitely part of, I think it's, it happened this way for a reason. <laughs> so in, in the sense of knowing that we don't know who's listening to this or who our audience is exactly, um, I know both of you and we all know each other a little bit, but I think I wanted to start this by each of us kind of taking a second and talking briefly kind of about our coming out story or, you know, our experience, just like I said, we're going to dive into a little bit more, but just if you could give like a little brief intro mm-hmm. of yourself and, uh, 
what it means to be gay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Be a good way to say it. So ladies first. Oh, ladies first. All right. Well, um, I think my story is probably not super unique, but I think there are some unique aspects uh, that run along with it. Um, I was born here in Clearwater into a family who was very involved in the Southern Baptist Church community, and I that is how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And I was very much a <clears throat> tomboy, um, if we want to call it that. I don't know if that's politically correct, but <laughs> I certainly certainly was. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I was very athletic. Um, I had mom and a dad, a very traditional family. We went to church three times a week. Uh, that was very much a part of my upbringing. And when I graduated from high school, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do and didn't have a whole lot of direction for my parents. And so I thought I need to get married. Mm. So I got married to a great guy and, um, we had two kids. We have two boys and I was 20 when we got married. And um, so we were we were great friends and had two kids together. And in my late 20s, I started noticing that I was having some different feelings. And I, I had never been exposed to the gay community. I did not have one gay friend. And I'm in my late 20s. And I'm like... I started having dreams about women and I'm like, this is so bizarre. I talked to my doctor, like, what is going on? I went to therapy, of course, Christian therapist for my church. And he was like, follow the script. (laughs) You were living the script. I have seen that script over and over again. That's why I say it's not unique. (laughs) Uh, So my therapist was like, you know, you're not responsible for your dream world. And I'm like, great. Okay. So I don't have to feel guilty about this, but what is this? And so this went on and on and on. And I actually told my husband at that time about it. And he was like, all right, you know, I get it. Um, he was very understanding. And um, so I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was pray to, for God to alleviate these, you know, quote, sinful feelings in myself. And I, for several years, this went on. So then I thought I had this great idea of, I'm just going to find somebody that I can try this out on and, and then I'll get it out of my system (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'll go back to my husband and everything will be fine. So what do I do again? I pray. God, please just send me somebody safe. Like, send me somebody safe. I'm going to knock this out, be done, mm-hmm. and I'll never have to think about it again. So about a month later, this person came into my life, and I shared with her my feelings. And this was a very safe, trusted person for me that I had known most of my life. And she was like, yeah, I'm down. So, n- again, no gay friends, no gay community, wow. no, like, Never seen like porn. Like I have no clue what being a lesbian is. I just was had this huge draw towards Mm -hmm. being in the comfort of a woman. Mm -hmm. So that one didn't really answer any questions for me. It just it was weird. It left more questions than answers. Um, So I immediately found another woman. Mm-hmm. who was closer in age to me and we had a very um big, big bang connection mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me and um we were together for about 3 months and my husband knew about that and um then her husband found out and that's when it ended and mm-hmm. um that was that was a very dark period for me because I had all of a sudden found this person and then all of a sudden she was gone. Mm. And so then I got into another relationship um, with a woman and this woman was a little bit older than me, very intelligent and 
we fought like cats and dogs because she was trying to break me of my religious upbringing. I mean, mm. she was like, there's nothing wrong with you. This is mm -hmm. who you are. And, you know, and I just wouldn't buy it. I was like, nope. You're mm -hmm. wrong. You need to go to church. <laughs> you know? I'm going to hell because I'm having an affair with a woman and beating myself uh, up over that. So for two years, I stayed in that relationship with this woman who she was also married and her husband was aware of us. And I just got to the point where I was so tired of fighting. I had never mm -hmm. been in a relationship before where we fought. And I was like, I'm done. I'm I'm out. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm going back to my husband. Like, goodbye. Mm -hmm. So that ended. And then two weeks later, my <clears throat> best, my middle school best friend reached out to me on Facebook. And so she's like, hey, you know, you want to go grab lunch or whatever? So we did. And I brought pictures before cell phones, like had pictures and stuff on it. So I literally brought like a Ziploc bag full of pictures of my kids. And well, long story short, we figured out that we lived in the same neighborhood mm. and we had lived in the same neighborhood for two years and didn't know it. She was married, had kids. I was, of course, married, had two kids. I'm like, this is great. You know, that was a great lunch, whatever. So a few weeks later, she's like, hey, I'm going to go watch the World Series when the Rays was in the World Series. I don't even remember that. 2000. <laughs> 2008. <laughs> around like a 2008. I think 2008. 2008. Yeah. yeah two, okay. I remember. Okay. So we watched that game. We went actually to the Chickaboom Room, mm -hmm. watching the game there. And she's like, hey, why don't you wear a wedding ring? And I was like, oh, you know, I just worked out. I put it aside again this was my high school best friend i just got out of this relationship that was just so tumultuous and i have this is not on my radar at all mm -hmm. so a couple more drinks she asked me again she's like yeah i'm not buying that you know what mm -hmm. what's going on and so i said well i just got out of a two year relationship with a woman and um you know i'm not wearing my ring right now whatever i'm just kind of in a weird place and she thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. And then we get in the car to go home and she totally puts the moves on me. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is my middle school best friend and I'm not down with this. And so, but you I prayed, was. You prayed, yeah. but, you, but the prayer turned out to be a little differently. Huh? <laughs> yes, it was very different. It was very different. So, uh, that friend and I have now been married um, wow. for seven years. We've been together ever since, basically. Yeah. And we got married when it was legal. And um, so that was really not a short story. I know you said to be oh. brief. but no, I, I got kind of lost in that. That was so romantic. <laughs> it was very, no, it was a very yeah. beautiful story. And, I, and, I, and there's so many similarities to our upbringing mm. and to um, kind of my experiences as well. Um, although my experience didn't have such a happy ending, yeah, we're still looking for that happy ending. All right, I we'll got find you. it eventually. <laughs> right, um, and just for our listeners, yeah, just for our listeners, you and I have met a yes. couple times, <laughs> yeah. but really have never had conversation. Mm -hmm. no, so, really. kind of no, setting nothing, the stage here. Yeah, nothing greatly in detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was I didn't want to interrupt your story, but I'm just like <laughs> listening and thinking. Oh my God, yes, we we definitely have some some similarities right. especially with the, the religion and prayer thing uh, right well that's a great inlay i think for you though. okay well so i um, i also grew up southern baptist but i grew up southern um so it's it's southern missionary baptist mm -hmm. understood so missionary baptist is more african american um uh baptist so when you throw that in it's a it's a different different situation um although my parents allowed my brother and I to explore a lot of different churches and a lot of different religions. Um, they were kind of like, we just want you to pick something that you believe in. Um, but we, I, I definitely kind of had the same scripted upbringing, mm. which mom, dad, both worked, came home, mom cooked dinner every night. We were around the table, which is, I understand a, uh, a rare thing that does occur sometimes. I mean, I think it happens more frequently than most people would say within the black community, but you know, there's there's these stigmas of, oh, well, you know, that's weird. And it's like, no, actually, it's more <laughs> off. It's more, I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood of families that had dinner every night. Um, but, 
you know, sometimes you listen to what, what the stereotypes are and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, not everybody's a single black mom, you know. Uh, <laughs> I have both mom and dad. They were there. Um, but religion was an important thing. We went to church three times a week. You had the Sundays. You had the Wednesdays. You had the Saturdays. Um, but they did, at a certain age, allow my brother and I to kind of explore our own uh, religious uh, ideas and go go figure it out. You know, you, you've been here, but I want you to figure it out. Um, which I think kind of backfired on them in a, in a sense. <laughs> so as a kid, I didn't really have, I think, any type of desires either way. I was a very, um, I don't want to say naive, but I was very innocent as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that innocence, uh, unfortunately, there was some experiences, abusive, sexually experiences that occurred that kind of took took the innocence away but there was also some some uh compartmentalizing on my i think in my own head as a self of protection for sure so i kind of yes absolutely yes put some stuff away boxed it up and said you don't that didn't happen right um which there was still that innocence that was there so i never really looked at boys or girls Mm. i was just kind of like there's my friend here this is my friend here become a teenager things started to change and I found myself feeling more attracted towards uh, the guys in my class than the girls in my class. But I knew, based upon what we've been taught in church, that's not okay. <laughs> right. So you're not supposed to act out on those things. Um, you're not supposed to do anything with that. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to talk about it. So I just will be, you know, for the lack of better terms, asexual. <laughs> you right. know, right. Um, just. No, 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 it's no. Almost yeah. To be that way. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but as I, you know, got to become an adult, got into high school, I was a very popular kid in high school. Um, no one ever picked on me. No one ever called me gay. No one ever. I never went through those experiences, which I'm fortunate for. And I understand, you know, it's not like that for everybody. Um, but then I started working and, and going to school and I had the opportunity to leave. Oh, I should say this. I grew up in a very small town mm-hmm. in central Florida, very rural, mm-hmm. very set in its ways. When it comes to sexuality, we, you know, if you're not straight, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And we basically have three races. You're white, you're black, or you're Hispanic. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. There's no classification of it. Yeah. You can't be Irish. No, you're white. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be Greek. No, you're white. Yeah. You know, Cuban. Well, they may try to figure out. You might be white or you might be. It all depends on the texture or the, t- the not the texture, but the color. Yeah. You know, the uh, the tone of your skin, I should say. You know, but, right. you know, when, when, I, when I got uh, to be an adult, I figured um, as I got out of Wachula and actually moved here to Clearwater, I saw people living. Mm. I saw people living. And they were doing their things, and I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to address this. I think it's time for me to live and try to find a partner. Um, I did say I was going to give it a go with with a girl, and I had a girlfriend for about four or five months and just didn't feel right, you know. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I had a, a conversation with my parents about it. And, <laughs> and this is kind of the funny story about my coming out is when I tell my mom and dad that I'm gay, my mom says, well, maybe there's something wrong with your endocrine system. Oh. You know, your sisters have hormone problems, so maybe you do too. And I'm like, oh, wow. okay, okay. So I had, you know, I had just started working over here. I'd been at the same, you know, at the company about six months. I had a primary care physician, um, and I picked him because he had a funny name. But I call him up, and I was like, hey, I need to see you. Um, my mom seems to think there might be something happening with my endocrine system. And he's like, okay. You're going to need to come in for this. So I get in his office, <laughs> and I'm sitting in the office with him. And I keep in mind, I want to say this also, is I did pray. I prayed to mm. God. Mm-hmm. I prayed to whoever was up there to say, if this is my life, give yeah. me a sign. I just mm-hmm. need some kind of sign. You know, I tried to date the girl. <laughs> I think he kind of said, no, that wasn't it, you know, whenever um, she found certain magazines. Uh, <laughs> I thought I hit him well. Uh, and then, you know, so I'm seeing the doctor. I'm, I'm sitting in there with him, and I explain the story to him. And he looks at me, and he starts laughing. And I'm like, Doc, this is, like, this is serious. This is my life. And he said, my mother said the same thing to me. Oh, I had no. no idea that my doctor was gay. Oh, wow. At all. Yeah. None. Yeah. Oh, but my gosh. he was a mentor 
a guide oh. into the community. Oh, that's and I called my mother right after I got his office. I called my mother and I said, you know, I saw my doctor. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> Turns out. I was like, and the Turns cool thing out. is, he's gay. And she's like, you have a gay doctor. And I was like, I have a gay doctor. I said, but I pray for it. You know, in, yeah. in a sense, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my dad, after, even after telling my dad that story, you know, um, I kind of came to a grips with religion really quickly after that because the way that I would look at it is this. One, I don't think God's going to be mad at me for loving someone. Two, I work in a job where I give back. I really take care of people, and I've been doing that for a while. Right. So I'm not living a life that is harming anyone. And you can't, I mean, how are you going to come at me for loving? But the other thing was... <laughs> and this is where me and my dad, like I said, you gave me the opportunity to learn a lot of things about religion. So looking at the Old Testament, looking at the New Testament, mm. it's all about forgiveness. Mm. So I figured as long as God knows my heart and after every sexual act, I say, God, please forgive me, <laughs> then I'm okay and I can make it to heaven. You know, because I look at my dad, I'm like, well, you wear polyester and all of those things from the Old Testament that y'all do on a daily basis. Probably touch football on Sunday. Right. I mean, I think we're okay, so I'm going to be fine. You know, my father can argue with me. He just mm. said, you know what, just live your life. Mm. I love you. I mean, they were so supportive. I love you. Live your life. Um, but it was extended family. Yeah. It was people in the community that mm. that's that's who you had to get past. But, you know, coming out wasn't terrible for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I wish I wish I had clarity at an earlier age. And I see some of the kids these days that have these realizations even younger. Right. Um, and they're able to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. They're able to uh, access resources that are available that we we didn't have, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, as, as you, you speak of your experience, yeah. um, Christina, of the, uh, you know, it was years yeah. before mm-hmm. that even became a, you know, something on your radar, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there are two points with what you're saying that I want to make sure before this, because th- there's three of us here, so it, mm-hmm. I feel like we can kind of yeah. really dive deep into some things. But the one thing with both of your stories Um, You know, there are, I don't want to say this, I mean, I think there's a point of gratitude as three gay people who are sitting here, the forefathers and foremothers who were Mm -hmm. able to fight and to give us basically, uh, I mean, the stigma is still there. The hate is still there. It's Mm -hmm. always going to be there. But compared to what it is like for some people or compared to what it has been like for people in the past, we are in a, a time where you can be safe being mm-hmm. in a relationship openly with mm-hmm. your wife or with your partner, with your husband, with whatever. And that would not have been possible without the people from the past. So I, we could not have this podcast without saying thank you for that. Yes. Um, and the second part is for anybody who is struggling or anybody who's listening to this who maybe has that feeling because I haven't got to my story, but we have a lot of things in common between (laughs) religion, between the things that you just feel. You just, it is a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who's sitting with that, who's trying to think about that or what it means very much, Ladarius, when you said that your doctor was gay, there are allies out Mm -hmm. there and they are there for you. There are communities that are waiting to embrace you. There are people who are willing to support you and there are people who will guide you. I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and truthfully, I mean, and, and as in anything, you know, you always trust your gut and always be careful, you know, but there are always going to be good people out Absolutely. there who are waiting for you. And it it's one hell of a step to take. But once you take it, you don't even know the beautiful life that is true. waiting for you. And, and so that's why, true. you know, beyond the rainbow. I mean, mm-hmm. once you kind of get over there and, you know, it's um kind of I wanted to kind of touch on that, too, because I know there's just so many aspects of it that. I remember when I was sitting there and my, my person was Ina Garten, the barefoot Contessa on mm-hmm. Food Network, yeah. because I would come home from school and for a half an hour a day, I would just watch her with all these fabulous gay men mm-hmm. and she's cooking up a storm. They're having these cocktails and dinner parties. I was 14 and I was like, <laughs> where the fuck is this place and how do I get yeah. there? Like, and I just remember, I was like, I just need to get there. The like that is, it's it was the Hamptons. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Did a little research. I was like, oh, okay. But it was, it one was day. just, one it day. was like, one day. yeah. And, but it was just, that it was just that that escape and i'll kind of go into mine i grew up in northwest ohio it was very rural mm-hmm. um uh, very catholic so again there's a religious undertone mm-hmm. to that but my my town was very small we weren't even considered a town it was a village mm-hmm. so when i graduated i graduated with 33 students in my class and i spent k through 12 
with the same 33 students. We never had like middle school where you'd split up or you'd go there. You would have different classes, but we never had that kind of, I like when people talked about graduating with thousands of students in their, their class, I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what that was like because not only did I know my, my, my fellow peers, but I knew their parents and their dogs names (laughs) and I've probably been to all of their houses. And, you know, I mean, you just, it, in one sense, that's great because it did. I mean, when something happened, I remember one of my classmates, his mother unfortunately passed away in a car accident and I've never seen a community, even at a young age, come together like that. And I mean, the support was, I mean, it was, you couldn't even parlay what that means, but then in the double-edged sword of it, on the other side of it, you know, being somebody who is different or somebody who is struggling or somebody who has those, those inward feelings that they're too afraid to express. You're so worried about those people because it's a small town and small towns do talk very quickly. Mm -hmm. I also happen to work in the diner of the town. So on Sundays after church would get out was our busiest times. And I'm not kidding when I say, and I mean, it was the, the ladies particularly who were sitting, did you see her hair today? (laughs) Do you know what that person, or I mean, it was always comments that were just so, and I, I never understood it because I did listen. Um, I was intrigued by the word of God. I was brought up to listen to it. And I, there was one time um, we had to go to church um, like every Friday, like the first of the month or something. And I think it was in the third grade. And my mom got a phone call because um, I was sitting around a group of like kids or guys or whatever. And one of them um, let out some gas. And I was so infatuated on what the priest was saying that I didn't even notice while all the other kids were, Mm. you know, snickering and, you know, Mm. like whatever. And she just thought that was so great, but I was, I was listening. I was looking for, even at a young age, just for somebody or something that was guidance. And that was just how you were brought up. I mean, the guy (laughs) in the big purple robe, um, you know, he knows what's right and he's, he's speaking directly from God. Mm -hmm. So when you started to have, or when I started to have those feelings and I'm saying we, because Mm -hmm. I know we all had them you get to this place where you just feel so unbelievably lost. Mm. My first sexual experience was 13 with another guy. And I just remember being like, what just happened? I mean, he was my age. It wasn't a situation where it was an older person or an adult, Um, but it still was confusing. And I was like, what just happened? What does this mean? Um, I've always been intuitive or inquisitive too. So I just, you know, you always have those thoughts. And then it continued It almost borderline continued into a relationship. This, this guy and I, I actually remember prom broke my heart because we both went with girls because mm-hmm. that was what was expected. Mm-hmm. And, but we we're looking at each other on the dance floor oh, wow. and it had, you know, and it was just that, like, what does it mean? You know, mm-hmm. like how, how can something be so beautiful? How can I be having these feelings, but they're so wrong and in and, and whose eyes and, mm-hmm. and who, who is saying that it's wrong. And, it stuck with me very, very hard. And then when that one didn't work out, uh, there was another gentleman and he was a little bit older than I was. This was, I think I was 17. So he was in, he was in college and we worked together at a university for the summer and he and I just became very, very close, like very close. Um, he had a girlfriend, but we had an emotional connection. We had, I I mean, I mean, it turned into a physical one eventually, but we just had this really wonderful feeling. Just, I loved being around him. And that age, you're always kind of trying to figure out your next steps. You know, adulthood's right around the corner. What does that mean for you? And I really looked up to him and he was physically very fit. He was a bodybuilder, um, or he was getting into it and he was an exercise person. So he was just very chiseled. I mean, he was a Greek God. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. So looked up to him for all of these reasons. And it was just funny because well, I shouldn't say that it was funny, but I, I kept going back in my head when I was trying to figure out what it meant to those puberty videos that they showed. Um, I don't like it was it for me. It was in the fifth grade. They put the girls in one room, the guys in the other room. They showed you these awful videos. And I mean, and I remember watching it and straight up the announcer or the host said, um, you know, for the gentlemen that, you know, at some point you're going to look at girls differently. Like they're not going to be the stinky girls on the playground, you're going to want to do more things with them. And I thought, Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, even in like the fifth grade, I was like, Oh, good. And I'm still waiting for it. I mean, it never happened. So it just never got there. Well, and it was, it was funny for me that we, we got those videos too, but the videos were, I think I was probably in late junior high 
the videos were shown by our physical education teachers. Yes, yeah. And our physical education teachers standing there wearing these short shorts, this (laughs) very attractive, physically fit male with his leg up on a chair showing (laughs) us these videos. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to feel that way that I'm supposed to feel. (laughs) And they they tell you, and you're like, okay, I mean, you know, you're gullible at that age. You know, you're looking like, oh, okay. And I just, yeah, it never happened. And then I ended up, that gentleman that I was speaking of, he ended up, um, he, there was, one like when the summer was coming to a close, I was like, I'm not going to see him because he's going to go back to school. And and it was I was devastated. Oh, I and I was and I had no one that I could talk to about it. And I know, mom, you're listening. I don't it's not against you because she would take that offensively. But, you know, it wasn't that I couldn't talk to my parents. I wasn't out yet. Yeah. And I was still trying to figure out what that meant. And I just I couldn't go to any of my friends because that would out me. And it's a very small town. Mm-hmm. So even in that sense, you know, one person just says something and I have a great support system even back people that I went to high school with so it wasn't that I didn't feel safe it was that I wasn't ready and I even got to the point where I developed an eating disorder over it because I had no control over what was going on and it just felt good and I think there was an association with his physical attractiveness and there was a little underlining because I was like well what would be wrong with me why would he want to be with me and the only thing I could think of, because we had such great connections on every other level, I was like, oh, it's because he's a bodybuilder or, you know, he's going for these things. So in your mind, you do create these scenarios Absolutely. for yourself and you do think, well, that's what it has to be. Well, the reality, Brad, was <laughs> that he just wasn't gay. I mean, he may have had some gay experiences. He just wasn't gay. And that wasn't on me. But as a kid, you don't know that. Sure. So when we do talk about the dangers of what can happen to people when they are in this struggle when they're in this hold we i've talked about it on this podcast before your inner voice is so important the way that you Mm. talk to yourself the way that you treat yourself the things that you say how you go about your day you have to be careful with them because if you are fighting against yourself the whole world's going to be fighting against you and you're really not going to be helping anything so true i mean to say to to kind of pick it back off of something that you mentioned earlier about growing up in a small town this past weekend was my 25th class reunion Mm. And our high school, well, our school is basically the same. These these same people that I saw this past weekend, I grew up with them. We were in kindergarten together. We went to middle school together, high school. It was all together. And I still had anxiety, even though, you know, I moved to Clearwater 22 years ago. After I got over here, I came out. And I didn't necessarily share that with everybody mm-hmm. back home, but MySpace, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. They learned, and I was like, I don't really feel as though I need to come out to everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you see it, I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Be times I go back home and someone be like, Hey, I heard you came out. I'm like, Yeah, I'm happy. Maybe yeah. like, Oh, okay. But I still had anxiety going back mm-hmm. this weekend, even though all of them sure. know. Yeah, and I took a date with me, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I'm gonna walk in with this boy, and everybody's gonna stare at me. And I walk <laughs> in, and everyone's like, Hey, you're good. And they're running up to my date and talking about how we grew up and things like that, telling stories. No issues. Mm-hmm. But I still had that. Like mm-hmm. I'm driving down and I'm like, the anxiety, the heart pounding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, gonna, yeah. Are they going to be cool? You know? I recently had to go back for a funeral to Ohio. And being in the cemetery, the church was very big. That was, I mean, it, it's, there were so many memories I had there, but the town and just faces that you recognize that it's like, and it, it is, it's the Facebook effect where you're like, Everybody sees everything on Facebook, even when you don't think that they are. So it's like, I know they've probably seen, because I was engaged at one point. I mean, I can't really hide it beyond there, but I've never (laughs) been one that has um, hidden, especially after I did come out of the closet. And when I did move and you brought up when you moved to Clearwater, you felt a different way. When I moved to Tampa, went to the University of Tampa, it was a whole different Mm. world. I mean, it was just all of a sudden it was not only is it something that's accepted, it's celebrated. I mean, there were, there were, there were parades and there were uh, i mean ebor gosh in 2010 there's even a lot of fun there's even a difference between the tampa gay community and the pinellas county hillsborough gay community pinellas county gay community right um even seeing that and so you're in the university of tampa yeah right (laughs) imagine what you're supposed to i was just a little dunedin yeah right (laughs) it was the dunedin gays i always said uh going to like going to it was like it was like subway you could have it your way Mm -hmm. like i mean you could it really was it was a good time but it was just a whole new and even you know, taking the sex out of it, even just like walking down the street, holding hands with somebody that was, it it was, it was, Oh, you know, and you're seeing, you know, you would go meet people and then, 
they would know somebody who had a house and you go to a gay dinner party and all of a sudden I was going to my Ina days and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this actually is happening. Like it was so cool. And, and, you know, and again, I'm kind of bringing that back because I really do want to emphasize for people that are struggling, like, especially in those small towns, like, and I'm never going to, you know, I would never say get away, but I do think exposing yourself to mm-hmm. new experiences, right. new areas, and and you really have to be kind of mindful of where you're going and Definitely. who's, you know, and, and just be very wise about it mm-hmm. before you make any big decisions. But I do think that it will give you something that can help you in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to go back on your comments on, you know, listening to that inner voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what is your inner voice, right? Right. What is it? That's, it's you. It's sometimes your conversation between you and higher power or you and God or, right. you know, or something bigger than yourself. But it's so important to be honest with that voice. Right. Right. It's so important. Once I got honest with that voice inside my head, oh my gosh. Yeah. I went from being at war with myself to at complete peace with myself. Right. Right. It's hard to do. It's very It's extremely. Very I mean, to like, do. you know, it took me years, literally years. Mm-hmm. And Ladarius, back to what you were talking about, you know, your your reconciliation between you and God seemed to come pretty easily for you. That was not my story. I can understand. That was not my story. Um, it took, again, years to reconcile that piece um, for me. And I had to do a lot of research and a lot of digging. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I'm, you know, we're putting all of this uh, weight into this book. Where did this book come from? Right. Who wrote this book? It didn't just fall out of the sky. So I went back to, you know, the 1500s and Constantine and how all of the books were put together. There were um, hundreds of other books at that time. This group of men just decided that these were the ones, these group of humans decided that these were the books that were going to be assembled. And this is what we're putting our entire Live lives into well, and this it book transcended. I mean, it went front for centuries. That is yeah. where it's yeah. And I think that for me, like I said, my parents did allow my brother and I to experience other religions. Mm-hmm. So even in Hardy County, where I'm from, is is very rural. There are different um, churches. There's a Methodist church. There's a Catholic church, and and then, you know you have the, the the missionary Baptist churches that are there. And what what is taught in all of these churches, what I and I learned this is this is kind of like my eyes open, is there's a general idea of you should be a good person, mm. but there are certain rules that start happening in different churches. And one of the things were the way that women were expected to respond. Mm. So like in our church, uh, man head of the house, mm-hmm. that's how it's supposed to be. And then I go over to this other church that is Methodist, and there is a woman who is preaching because <laughs> that would have never happened in right. our right. church. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, <laughs> okay, so if this one's, if, if you can do that. So that made me think, all right, there, if, if, if being gay is one of those things mm-hmm. that maybe it's just not accepted here, but there's somebody within religious groups that's going to say to me, what you're doing is okay. Yeah. Based upon. That is true. Right? right. And then who's to say what is the right way? Right. And that's where the struggle constantly is. And that's where people are going to bring up. Obviously, religion has a lot of emotion to it. There's mm-hmm. no way that you are going to say that you are 100 percent open to or throwing yourself into a religion without saying that there is some sort of an emotional connection that's mm-hmm. binding you to that. Right. Whether it's a time of comfort, whether it's just because it's nostalgic or that's how you were raised, there's always going to be. And you have to kind of go beyond that. I think you have to look at it beyond what it what. Let me rephrase that. You would recognize what the emotional connection is, but then go beyond that to think logically, what does that mean for me? And it's 100% okay. I mean, it's great to have a spiritual life and a religious life, whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. We talk about it in mental health all the time, especially because a lot of times people deal with what happens to me, what happens to my soul or whatever Mm -hmm. you believe in when we're not here. And that also brings us comfort, which is also an emotional connection. So there's always some sort of underlying, but I think with what you're saying too, Ladarius, and both of both of us, just it's the way that you treat people now. I can only imagine logically that that would have more to do 
with what happens after. And even if it doesn't, it has more to do with what you can do now and how you can make that going forward, making the the communities, the world that we live in a better place. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew religion was going to pop up, obviously. We, we knew this <laughs> was going to happen. I mean, and I think most, most listeners who are also gay individuals would agree. They, there probably is some sort of religious guilt or some sort yeah. of shame around that because you know it, that's bound to happen but i do want us to also focus on the positives of everything and that's mm-hmm. why this was titled you know being out and proud beyond the mm-hmm. rainbow mm-hmm. uh now that we kind of have some of our you know our backgrounds and, and our stories and our experiences you know i mean i really wanted to go into ld your time as Jaden, okay and because Jaden is fabulous i mean <laughs> and and i think i really do want to to talk about this because there are, there might, I'm thinking there could be some straight couple who might be listening to this, who might not even know what drag is. Right. So could you elaborate a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the art of drag is just that it's an art form. Yes. Um, just as you have musicians, you have singers, you have people who, which we're learning now as it becomes a little more open to everybody. Cause usually like drag had to be a man impersonating a woman. No, right. drag is anybody who wants to put on uh, another alter ego and to entertain someone. Yes. And right. it's all about entertainment, you know? I mean, there's more that comes along with it. You know, after you entertain, there's a community. I mean, and I guess that's kind of where it kind of started also is, it was a form of entertainment, but it was also uh, a form to uh, protect our community mm-hmm. to raise uh, to look out for the community you know I mean we talk about the mm-hmm. the the gay rights uh, movement a lot of that happened with drag queens starting out in New York City and get I mean right. we can all there's do that we can all, yeah there. there's a whole yeah. history there we can go into the research but but for me um you know I <laughs> oddly enough I started out drag actually in my hometown. I'm going to say how this this works. So uh, in Hardy County, we used to have a lot of different um, uh, fundraising activities for the senior class. And um, our senior class, because uh, we we had a lot of tragedies of kids graduating high school, going out that night, getting drunk. And, you know, someone would obviously, you know, would would unfortunately pass away. car accidents, things like that. Mm. So they created this thing called Project Graduation back in like, I think it was like 1993 or 94, um, where they would have all of these fundraising activities to raise money. And then they'd have a big graduation party that was a lock-in at the Civic Center. <laughs> and we'd raise, you know, they'd raise money and there'd be prizes. They gave away a car every year. Like it was like big. Wow. It's a lot of money in Hardy County. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of things back there. Um, but one of, the, one of the fundraisers, they thought it was funny to have a drag pageant where all of the guys who are seniors <laughs> would dress up as women and have a pageant. Nice. Now, they were making fun. Right. They thought it was a hilarious thing, you know. But whenever they first started, me, kind of not knowing myself, but yeah. kind of knowing myself, I was like, man, I can't wait till I become a senior. <laughs> but then when I became a senior, I was like afraid. Mm. I'm like, oh, if I do this and I do this well, I'm gonna. It's gonna be problematic. And don't get me wrong. I mean, from a from a young age, I would dress up in my mom's shoes. Um, <laughs> well, it's a very sweet thing that um, I had, a lot of people um, probably didn't know growing up. Is you know, my mother had these two pair of. There's a, a navy blue pair and a burgundy pair of like size nine pumps. She never wore them, and I remember. I would sneak into her closet and I'd put them on and I'd walk around and I'd get my walk together. I'd hear her outside when she's coming home because, you know, we'd be home from school earlier, latchkey kids, whatever. She'd get home, I'd rush in, I'd put the shoes back in there. It took me years before I realized mom didn't get rid of those shoes because she wasn't wearing them. She knew uh, I was wearing them. Aww. It was my outlet, you know. Oh, and, um, my gosh. That's hilarious. And I, I, I wanted to have that conversation with her so many times before she passed away about five years ago, but I never mm. did. But I, I do know... Because there, there is no other logical reason for those shoes to stay, stick around as long as they did. Right. Um, until probably my foot, I grew them and then they were gone. Because uh, we're growing boys. I could wear a size nine when I was about 14. But anyways, they, they, they had this pageant for, for, these, for these guys. And I, um, I'm, a, I'm a senior. I was a student council vice president. I'm in all of these activities. So it was expected 
you're a popular guy. You yeah. have to be in this pageant. Because I wasn't going to do it. I was excited about it. But then I was, as you get older, yeah. you start thinking, yeah, oh, exactly. my God, they're going to yeah. know. Yeah. So you're not going to do it. But, you know, it was like, oh, no, well, you're, it's, it's a given. You have to do it, you know. <laughs> and one of my friends, I convinced him to do it with us. So we do this drag pageant. And uh, my two Jasons, they're two of my closest friends named Jason, um, both were athletes. One was a swimmer. One was a runner. They both do it as well. There was about 25 of us. Um, well, I won. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I that's literally great. won the crown. And I had my two Jasons <laughs> that followed up. So it was it was basically, and my, and my name wasn't Jaden the first time around. It was Shaquanda. Uh, I don't know why Shaquanda, but Shaquanda won the crown, and I had my Jasons as my background. Sasha, and I can't remember what the other, Bambi, I think. Uh, Sasha and Bambi. But that was my that was my first time doing it, and, mm. and I... You know, my, I was told my dad. My dad didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. because it was a joke. Right. Yeah. Mom, she's like, oh, yeah, go get whatever you need. You know, I borrowed a dress from one of the girls down the street who was also a hefty girl because I was hefty. Um, <laughs> and I won this thing. And then I moved here. And this was probably about uh, about three years later. I moved here and um, Melanie Mignon um, saw me doing a... Uh, show. Uh, so one of my other friends entered into the Miss Mardi Gras pageant. Mm-hmm. And back then, Miss Mardi Gras was just a bunch of locals just doing a drag pageant, raising money for Mardi Gras, um, fundraising and things like that. And it was like a lot of locals before like actual professional drag queens started being in it. Right. But I was just as a background dancer. And I'm back around there doing my thing, you know. And Melanie saw me and she says, you need to come do a show with me. Aww. And I was like, oh, girl, I'm not a drag queen. <laughs> you know, and she's like, no, just come do a show with me, you know. And I, you know, I went and I bought a, you know, cross dress for less, which is Ross. When I got me a good old dress from Ross, um, I, it was booger drag at best. I know I looked a hot mess. <laughs> I don't think that wig fit right. Um, but I do this show with her and I, I became a different person. Mm-hmm. Jaden was born. Right. You know, right. and... Jaden's out here performing. People are smiling. People are, well, people giving you money. Uh, I will say that being a drag queen is probably one of the most lucrative jobs I've ever made or ever had. You know, where else can you go and make $300 for 15 minutes? Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Seriously. You right, know? right. Um, but I, I saw the joy that was there. Um, not just how I felt, right. but how people uh, responded mm. to it. I think there's an overall, um, I've seen this at many, many drag shows. And like, even as a gay man, sometimes I'm on, I was like, oh, please don't bring me up on stage. Don't like, <laughs> like I'm just like, oh, here we go. But you always kind of, if you've ever like scope out the crowd, there's always like that moment at first. And I'm sure as a performer mm-hmm. where people are maybe a little like tight, like their shoulders are a little hunched or they're kind of like looking around. And then eventually they're like, oh, it becomes a safe space yes. very quickly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And all of a sudden you look around. I mean, even just this past, we met up at mm-hmm. Drag, Queen Bring, Drag Queen Brunch, excuse me, at Blur that they do every month. And it was a good place for us to talk about yeah. the this episode. And just even you, you see it. And all of a sudden, I mean, there's, you know, there's a drag queen out in the middle of the street that's hopping on a <laughs> golf cart. And, you know, and so people are, thing. I know it really was. It, it, very smart, very well done, but it was just you know, and it brings, and then you see other people on the yeah. outside of the community who are like, well, what is what's going on here, mm-hmm. and just going back to like the history of drag and, and just so much of what it does do for a community, Correct. and if you've ever been like, oh god, I would never go to a drag show, go. I mean, yeah. I guarantee you're gonna have a good time. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna have a good time. It's all about fun, um, and and after a while, you know, I, I would do a couple of shows. At, with Melody and I started meeting some of the other queens um, and there's joy in doing it um, and then there's the kind of the, the come down after you get off the stage mm-hmm. and you're back in your normal t-shirt and jeans and <laughs> you know you're tired but you're also a little bit sad Aww. because you know the show's I over see that. the yeah. show's yeah. over right you know right. I gotta peel the eyelashes yeah. off <laughs> you know um, although I remember one time my, my dad was my dad was staying with me for a weekend because uh we had a, a family uh, funeral or something like that, but he was staying with me, and I had a show scheduled that night, 
And so I get them all situated in my apartment, and I was like, I got to go to work. I'll be right back. Now, the, the job that I did in healthcare at the time did cause me to, well, call for me to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So he was thinking I was going to this job. Yeah. But no, I was actually going to a drag show. <laughs> got there as quickly as I could, beat the face really quickly, get on stage, do the show. <laughs> You know, and I get off stage and they're like, are you staying? I was like, no, I got to go back home. So I get home. My dad's asleep. Everything's fine. Wake up the next morning. We're having breakfast. And uh, I, I was like, okay, you know, we're going to get our day started. I'm sitting at breakfast with him and I get up and I go in the bathroom. I still have lashes on. <laughs> There's no makeup, but I still have lashes on. And I sat in front of him at breakfast Oops. with full lashes on. <laughs> he never said anything. You know, he was just probably sitting there. But it, it there was a there was the come down from it. You right. know, when you get off stage and now it's like, okay, well, I have to go back to life as normal. Um, <laughs> and then you're just ready for the next time. It is expensive. Yeah. It's very oh, yeah. expensive. But I want to point that out. If you think um, being a drag queen is not hard, oh, I dare you. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> I God. I dare you. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not comfortable with it, at the very least, have some respect for it. Because, <laughs> right. my God. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not a lot something. of prepar- preparation. Mm-hmm. There's, there's rehearsing. As I said, it is an art form, just like any artist. You have to practice your art. You got to prepare for your art. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. you're going to have to practice, you know, you're going to have to stand in front of a mirror mm-hmm. in your living room and rehearse your routines. And, you know, you have to make sure the outfits fit before you put them on, before you get out there. Yeah. Um, right. But the other aspect of being a drag queen was uh, becoming a part of the community mm-hmm. and, you know, meeting with your drag sisters and things like this. And this was something that you and Bradley, you and I spoke about um, this weekend is um, you put on this persona to make money, to make people happy. Um but there's also the the persona that in your personal life, there's certain things that you probably still use that mask for mm-hmm. so that people don't see what you're really struggling with. Right. You know? Right. And a lot of and a lot of members of the LGBTQ plus community do that in the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. to to kind of put that in the same trajectory. Um, I mean, suicide is huge in our community, unfortunately, especially with youth. Um, especially with trans youth. Uh, I, I actually, I don't remember the specific statistics on it, uh, but I think trans youth is probably one of the highest categories that you're ever going to find that with. And, mm. it, and, it, and you know, we use a mask for many, many things throughout our day-to-day life, um, and especially when you're struggling, and that all stems from shame and guilt. And that's the first, and that's why that's such a heavy topic with what we're all talking about. And that's why we're sharing our stories, mm-hmm. but you're, you're absolutely right. And I know you, you've dealt with probably more than I can contest to because you were talking about your time as being out now versus being out. Oh yeah. You said, I think when, what year, or do you know a year when you, Oh yeah, I came, I think, I, I think it was 2000, 2001. Okay. Um, when, you know, yeah, it was 2001 when I came out, I think it was about around April of 2001 when I came out mm-hmm. and when I came out and I came to Dunedin, um, the, the community within Dunedin definitely embraced me. Um, it, but you know, still back home, it was, it was so many, you know, people that I wouldn't want to tell, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm out now. So, you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. But being out then, um, there were still places you wouldn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there were bars you don't want to go to. Um, if you're, especially if you're, Especially if you're if you're gonna be gay, <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's like okay, so we're going to this restaurant that's predominantly straight. So I need you to tone it down. You know, yes. and I had friends who yeah. would say that to yeah. me. You know, and, yeah. I, and I'm like, well, what do you mean tone it down? You know, I'm like, I'm not gonna walk in there and like embarrass you. Like, right. what do you expect right. me to do? Like to, you know? And they're like, well, I'm just saying because you know I don't want to cause any issues. And I'm like, okay. Okay. You're causing more of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just go in there and yeah. be me. You know? right. It's like, I'm not going to do a number yeah. right in the middle of the right. restaurant. Yeah. You know, I do yeah. not have a boa in my right. bag yeah. that I'm just going to, you know, pull out of that in a wig and, yeah. you know, although I can do a quick drag. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If you need me to Jayden's do it. Jaden's always right. ready. Yeah. Jaden's always <laughs> ready if you need me to do it. But, um, yeah, so it was It was still, you You had your safe spaces that you would yeah. go to. Yeah. Um, and um, also back then, you know, and it's, it's still, it's still there, but a lot of, I don't know why people thought it went away, but HIV and AIDS mm-hmm. was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I had friends who, you know, we were losing, right? you know, right. at that time. Right. Um, that, that system and the way that healthcare has changed for individuals, unfortunately, 
who, who may have contracted um, it is definitely a lot different now than it used to be. You yes. know? And so, again, even even with that, you would sense some of the the, the struggles mm-hmm. of the people in the community. Right. You know, and then, then. That brings that mask back out. Right. But then as years, you know, like I, I was telling you, uh, Bradley, I'm, I'm in such that weird space of an age that we, I remember mm-hmm. uh, the way that uh, it, you weren't supposed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You weren't supposed to talk about HIV and AIDS and things like that. I had an aunt who contracted um, HIV and AIDS. But, you know, when I was in high school, uh, oddly enough, we were progressive even though we were rural. I learned a lot about Mm. You know about in you know the 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 disease and um, complications of it and things like that. And I wasn't afraid. Mm. You know, I wasn't afraid to interact. I wasn't afraid to hug. I wasn't mm-hmm. afraid because I'm like, you, you, this right. is not how you contract. Right. right. Yeah. You shouldn't right. be worried about all of that kind of yeah. stuff. Right. You know. Um, and I did a lot of education with my family members. You know, mm-hmm. I remember walking up to my aunt and giving her a big hug, and my dad standing back here looking like, oh, I don't know if we should have did that. Right. My mother, my mother was a nurse. She mm. was fine. Right. My right. brother wouldn't go anywhere near her. Right. You know, and I have, you know, and I'm looking at y'all and I'm like, right. y'all need to love up on this lady right now yeah. because yeah. she's, do you realize what she's yeah. going through? Yeah. Right. Same with the community. Can y'all love up on these people? Yeah. Right. Like, come on. You yeah. know, we, 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 we got to. Yeah. But then time passes, things progress. And so now I'm, and I'm happy to see it. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I, I, I am not complaining uh, because I think, you know, with some of the, the technology innovations that have happened in healthcare and individuals who are undetectable now. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time somebody said, hey, I'm undetectable. And they were celebrating. And I was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, happy for you. But at the same time, I'm like, man. Yeah. Yeah. God, I have some friends that I just wish. Mm-hmm. Wish, yeah. God, I wish they would have had this opportunity. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But, right. yeah, so it's like it's it's that whole Twenty year period. Yeah, mm. quite the shift. I mean, yeah. we're in a new age of. Uh, well, I and this is, I was talking when back to that funeral. I was talking to one of my younger cousins, and it's cool to be gay now. And I yeah. mean, in high, yeah. I mean, it's mm. one of those like almost like a rite of passage where it's like, oh, I've had a girlfriend, or I've had a boyfriend, right. or whatever it is. And, and I mean, and it is. It's 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 almost that bittersweetness to it of, well, that's great, but also like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's hard to wrap your head around it a little bit. But I mean, we want the younger generations to do well. We want them to have a better life than what we did. I just hope that they do appreciate that as they go forward. Well, it doesn't they, mean they don't have their struggles, but right. I mean, there's just. I don't think they can, though. Just like we can't imagine, like, literally having to be closeted. Like, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around that, but that wasn't that long ago. Right. It was not. Um, and if I might share one more story, because um, I know you asked me about about coming out, and I'm not sure that I hit that on the head. I told oh. you a little bit about my story, but <laughs> yeah. when I actually came out to my parents, um, they were not real pleased. Mm-hmm. Um my mom holed up in her room for like three days, didn't come out. Wow. My, my dad did actually. He stood up. He hugged me and said, I don't understand it, but I love you. And then said, can't you just sleep in separate bedrooms like your mother and I do? Oh. <laughs> I was like, Dad, I'm 30. Like, no. No, I cannot. Um, now, when your father said that, you didn't look him some kind of way and be like, no, nah, are you trying to say something? <laughs> I know. Just asking. Exactly. Now, I mean. <laughs> but at that time, I was uh, very close, not in a sexual relationship, but with my pastor's wife. And I had shared with her. Um, and she looked at me and said, if you quote, do this, meaning come out and leave your husband or whatever, um, she said, I will do everything in my power to separate you from your children. Wow. Now that frightened me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a big church with a lot of money. And, but then I, you know, simmered on that for a little bit. And I was like, well, she really can't do anything legally, you know, at that point. And so I kind of blew it off after that, but I thought, okay, this relationship is over. We are not friends anymore. And, right. you know, yeah. so fast forward. Um, so that was, gosh, fifth, we'll just say 15 years ago. Um, recently I've been in contact with a couple other friends who went to the same church who also came out, but they came out 30 years ago. Mm. One of them, this is the same church. One of them had three kids at the time and the church hired an attorney and did get her kids removed from her. So that was 30 years ago. Wow. 
wow. and mine was 15 years ago, and now here we are today. So right. even in that time frame, that's not that long ago. No, it's not. No, no. And it's it's I think fear. I mean, fear is such a big thing on the acceptance of mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Very true. Afraid right. of what's gonna happen. Can't we just like you, like your 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 dad said to you, we can't yeah. try to sleep in separate rooms. <laughs> right. right. Like why do you have to change the system to do yeah. this? Just just continue to do what you do, but don't tell anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um I, I remember my dad saying something to me like there's no actual one of my roommates said it to me whenever um, I I because I'd lived with two straight guys when I first came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to sit down and have a conversation with them. Yeah. And um, even though they'd been friends, one of them, we'd been friends, well, actually both of them, I, I've known them my entire life. They they moved here with me. Um, and uh, they were both accepting. I just had one friend said, so um, does this mean I'm going to wake up at like 3 a.m. and there's going to be right. naked man eating a bologna sandwich right. in the refrigerator at me in the, in the living <laughs> kitchen? And I was like, no, you will not find a half-naked man at 3 a.m. eating a bologna sandwich. Right. I don't eat bologna. It will probably be ham or turkey. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like he'd still be in the room. Like, you're still, yeah. you know. But it was the, it was the fear that things are going to change. The comfort right. level that you have is going to go away. And now I have to learn something new. Right. That's exactly you know? it. It is. And you, you, you get it even further in that fear factor. It's like, well, what is that really stemming from? And... I think if we all combined our experiences, we'd be able to say very confidently that a lot of people who do have issues with gay people have had a lot of thoughts or experiences mm-hmm. of their own mm-hmm. that they're too afraid to face. Right. And I will say this in a somewhat joking manner. Um, I used to live right next to International Airport, which means that my apartment was very close to a hotel. And on <laughs> Grinder, I just want to say oh, yeah. that most of those businessmen are also on Grinder. If you have to look up what grinder is, I apologize. Maybe check in with your husband. But there are a lot of people out there who do live these secret lives. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder when somebody comes from a place of so much hate, you know, and I'm very fortunate. My brother and my father are both extremely supportive. I mean, just my rocks, you know, when it comes to so many things, but also just with being straight men who are comfortable with who they are. And not having an issue with it. I bring, you know, mm. I've, I've brought home boyfriends. I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to kiss my boyfriends around them. You know, I've been able to go on trips with them. And, like, there's just no issues. And really, you think, well, what is the big deal about it? I mean, sometimes, like, kissing is just gross between anybody. Like, right. you know what I mean? Right. Sometimes we just don't want to <laughs> see it no matter who it, it is. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, and I just think that's an important note. So before we kind of wrap some things up, I just wanted to ask each of you, because we want to end on a nice positive note here. Um, you know, what is your favorite part or your favorite thing about being gay? Hmm. I wish you would have asked me this on Sunday so I had some time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Here, I'm, I'm going to go, if you don't mind. Um, I grew up with a, with a uh, pretty privileged white life. And when I came out, I quickly became in the somewhat marginalized category. Without that, I don't think I would have the empathy that I have for anyone in a marginalized community, whether it be gay or um, people of color. Uh, I just, I wouldn't have that experience. So I am extremely grateful to have that. That's it, yeah. I I think for me, it's probably... Uh, freedom, mm. Mm. and it's, no, it's mm-hmm. going to sound weird when I say that to to some of our listeners. You know, it's like you're gay. How are you free? Um, I've in my lifetime watched a lot of people who were either you know from a religious perspective, also being straight, being just not being able to live their authentic self, mm-hmm. and I had that opportunity. Boom. And um, I can, um, my and and I and I have also the freedom to understand that my authentic self changes mm-hmm. sometimes daily, sometimes yearly. I'm not the same person I was when you know I first came out when I was 21. I've evolved, I've grown, I learn every day, um, and and I have that freedom to move into those directions without thinking, well, if I 
if I want to do this, I'm going to have judgment because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been judged mm-hmm. my entire mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. you kind of get that freedom of, well, I don't really care what you think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going to do this, you know, but still having the um, the respect to not harm. Mm. And and I think that's a big right. thing for me is I want to have freedom, but I don't want to harm anybody. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not going to go out and do anything that's going to cause anybody any problems. But I still want to be able to move and flow wherever you know, the universe leads me to go. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. second I second all of that. <laughs> I have to say it's the relationships because, mm. I mean, I, I'm naturally drawn towards lesbians. So, I mean, let's be honest. I have so many lesbian friends that have just completely <laughs> helped me through some awful times in life. And, you know, and the gay men that I have met um, who there was one trip um, actually being from a small high school. There were, I think there were like four of us that got together and we went to Pensacola Pride. I mean, we flew in from all over the country and we were just there just because we had that connect with that connection, that bond, um, not only just from being gay, but also from our our experience going to the same high school that was very similar. So we all had the that that weekend just to be free, to be ourselves. And 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 the the just all of them. I mean, there's there is kind of once you find like like we've said, once you find that community of people, mm-hmm. it really truly is one of the biggest blessings I think mm-hmm. you could probably ever get from life. Yeah. And that's ironic because we've talked so much about religion. But on top of that, with <laughs> I mean, with, as you said, it's it so becomes those relationships for and this is kind of transcending back to that that decade long time frame. It became your new family. Exactly. For a lot of people, it did right. become your new family. Right. You know, when right. your family leaves you, it's your new family. But those relationships. And they do. And important. they carry you through. And I do want to reiterate that again to anybody who is struggling. There is a community that is out there. And speaking of relationships to the two of you, thank you so much for being here today, for your bravery, for your <laughs> honesty, for putting it all out there and thank for being continued support in add, our community. Just, just really quickly to yeah. say for those individuals out there that are looking um, for guidance, support, there are so many community um, organizations mm-hmm. um, here in, in, in Tampa. I mean, there's a lot of them. You can look them up. But if you're thinking of getting out of a small town or a situation, if you can find one of those community organizations in a bigger city or in a city close to you to reach out to them, that's a, one way to start building those relationships. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Uh, my name is Bradley Wank, and this has been an episode of On What Brings You In. As always, if you or anyone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call or text 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. Someone will be there to help you. Um.